Morning, class. Morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. It's another good day to believe God, to walk in the light, to have a victory, to overcome. Everybody said out loud, what happens in Faith School? This is where my spirit is fed, and my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. And we are. We're learning what to resist and not yield to, and we're learning what to yield to as far as the Spirit of God and, and, and trust and follow. Uh, things are not as hidden and mysterious as a lot of people think. The Lord's not trying to hide our answers from us. It's the enemy that tries to confuse you and blind you and hide. And when you get those blinders off, you go, oh, that's been there all the time. And that's the way God is. He never changes and he never leaves us. Let's pray and believe to see more answers today, to get, get some blinders off and to see clearly. Father, we ask for it. Utterance, revelation. Give us eyes that see and enlighten the eyes of our heart and understanding. And show us the answers, and we'll give you the praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Hebrews 3, if you'd look again, we've been on a series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. And we saw that he said, verse 8, don't harden your hearts as in the provocation. He said, I was grieved with that generation, verse 10. Verse 12 Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 19 says they couldn't enter in to the promised land, that is, the blessings of God, the plan of God, because of unbelief. The New Testament repeatedly warns us about unbelief. Uh, Jesus, when he ministered to people, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, he, he would tell people, your faith has made you whole. And he'd say, according as you've believed, so be it done unto you. Other times he'd say, where is your faith? How is it you have no faith? And sometimes he'd talk about people's faith being little or no faith, as we said, or a couple of times, great faith. So this has always been big to God. And, and actually... It's not optional with him. He requires it in his dealings with human beings and in his relationship with us. And it's entirely just and fair. Why should you not trust somebody who never lies and who cannot lie and who has never failed and who always has your best interest at heart and in mind? Wow. Why shouldn't you trust somebody like that? It's unreasonable not to. And that's what he's talking about with this unbelief, why it's called, he said, don't let this evil 
unbelief be in you. Because there's forgiveness, but there's no excuse for it. There's no justification. And that's what happened with them. Go ahead and go back to Numbers 16 again, if you will. Uh, starting in Exodus, at what happened at the Red Sea, and then event after event, we saw through number 10, when we got up to uh, Numbers 14, what happened at Kadesh Barnea. Uh, every juncture where there was some kind of challenge or need or issue, they chose to doubt and blame and complain and look back and ready to quit and ready to go back. And they didn't have to do that. And God expected more than that out of them. In fact, he required more than that out of them. And that's not unreasonable. That is not unfair. They simply, I mean, after all those miracles, uh, how slow do you have to be to, to doubt if God could do the signs and wonders that he did in Egypt, if he could split the Red Sea, he could probably handle a few giants. What, what do you think, class? What do you think? Uh, all of those things that they saw, they saw outstanding things. It, it was a daily thing that they saw the glory of God up, up in the air, in the pillar of cloud. And, and there, you could see the fire in it at night. This is not a natural phenomenon. They just... They had seen, they had heard, they had experienced, but no matter how many times or how many experiences, they were like, nah, I don't know about all that. I don't know, and we, we, we're not going to make it like this. What we need to do is go back to Egypt. Well, God got tired of that. You would too. And so in Numbers 14, uh, if you just turn back there just a moment, they... Uh, when they absolutely refused to go in, they were at the border of the land to go in. God said, how long will it be, in verse 11, before this people believe me? And so he said, judgment is due, basically. They should, they should be eliminated, and I can start over. Now, people say, well, that, that's, that's, that's too harsh. Who are you to tell God that's too harsh? You're not qualified to say that. That would have been, if he had wiped out every one of them right there, it would have been exactly what they deserved. Perfectly righteous judgment. Not mercy, but judgment. We are not owed mercy. Class, are y'all awake? Yes, sir. So we, we live in a generation of entitlement. People think things are owed to them simply because they got up this morning. Simply because they exist. They think, well, you're owed a good life. You're owed a favor and opportunities and, and, and money and everything. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. You're not even owed existence. Billions of human beings have come before you and will come after. And the wages of sin is death. That's what is owed. And that's what is deserved. And without mercy and without redemption, that's what any and everybody would get. What the message, what the gospel is, is that there's mercy. Hallelujah. You don't have to go down. 
You don't have to be judged. Jesus went to the cross and was judged for us in our place. He didn't deserve that, but he took it. Amen. So we didn't have to get what we deserved. He got what we deserved. So we could get what we didn't deserve, the blessing. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord for doing that for me. Thank you. Thank you. But what we see is intercession. The very act of what Jesus did is intercession. Now when Moses, we read this before in, in, in Numbers 14, 19. When the Lord uh, had told him, stand back. I'll, I'll wipe this bunch out and I'll start over with you. And Moses said, Lord, uh, these are your people that you brought out of Egypt. And he said, remember, you told me about you being long-suffering and merciful. He said, pardon this people. Would you pardon them? Verse 20, the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. What does that mean? They're not going to get, all get wiped out today. Why? Because they deserve it? No, they don't deserve it. And here's the amazing thing. They didn't even ask for it. Moses asked for it. Oh, and God allowed that. He allowed that. This shows, you know, we, we read in Psalm 86, 5, that said, you are a God who is ready to give, ready to forgive. So, say that out loud. He's a God. He's a God. Ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. Plenteous in mercy. To all that call upon you. You couldn't be more sure of that. You, you want to get that ingrained in you. It wouldn't hurt you to say it over and over and over and over and over. Say it again. He is a God. He is a God. A good God. A good God. Ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. Plenteous in mercy. Plenteous in mercy. To who? To who? Huh? That mercy is not manifested to everybody. What if Moses hadn't called on the Lord and asked him to pardon them? Well, we saw what happened, judgment and no mercy, in chapter 16 with Korah and his bunch. Ground opened up. They went down alive into the pit and it closed up and fire blasted out and incinerated the 250 princes that had the, the censers of incense. Now, now, people read about that and go, oh, you know, boy, I'm glad we're not living in the Old Testament. And whew, they, they almost think there's a different God in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. No, no, no. There is a hell. There's still a hell. And have you read the back of the book, uh, Revelation? There's judgment. Yes. Is that right? Judgment coming. And not everybody's going to be saved. There are people that are going to be cast along with the devil into the lake of fire. That's not a fairy tale. That's the end of the Bible. And people say, well, I, that, that just sounds too hard. How can a God who is love do that to people? It was not his choice. It was the people's choice. Well, if he's in control, then he still responds. No, he is not controlling everybody's choice. That's where people have gotten it so wrong. 
No. It's their choice. And if you reject God and you won't repent and you act like you don't need salvation, there's nothing left for you but judgment without mercy. And it's sad that millions are going to be judged and millions are also going into the pit. Revelation calls it the bottomless pit. Someone said, how could there be a bottomless pit? Well, for one thing, this is a circle. This is a globe. It's rotating. I don't claim to understand all the physics of it, but if the Lord says it is, that's what it is. And it's a place of pain and fear and torment. So why would God send people? He didn't. It's their choice. The Bible said it was made for the devil and his angels. But if you don't want God, there's only one other group. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? But notice the, the, the mercy and grace of allowing intercession. When Moses said, God, pardon these people. I mean, immediately, without any further discussion, the Lord said, I've pardoned them according to what you asked me, which means it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't have been according to Moses' word, if Moses hadn't said anything. Nothing would. Why? Because God wouldn't be just in sparing when judgment is deserved if nobody even asked for mercy. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. He's going to do right. He's going to do what is just and righteous no matter what. But his desire is mercy. He wants somebody to ask him. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Why? Because he's ready. Oh, somebody say ready. ready. Say it again. My God, My God is a good God. He's, a good God. He's, ready, to forgive. He's ready to forgive. Plenteous in mercy. Plenteous in mercy. What's the rest of the verse? Come on, what's the rest? To all, not everybody's going to experience it, to all that call on Him. Now, um, listen to, uh, to something further about this. In Ezekiel 22, they'll put this on the, uh, our amazing chalkboard that <laughs> writes by itself. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of a mystery that we have uh, kerosene lanterns. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> amazing chalkboards. Ezekiel twenty two twenty nine. He said, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy and have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. What should those folks get? Help me out. Judgment. Does that deserve blessing? No. Does that deserve protection and salvation? No. That would be unrighteous. That would be not right to bless that. Verse 30. The Lord said, I sought for a man, a man, among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Isn't that exactly what Moses was doing? Yes. Standing in between. What, what do you mean the gap? The space in between God and the people that are about to be judged. 
there was a space. And Moses, because of his relationship with God, he knew God. God knows him. This is nobody playing religion. He steps in and says, God, you know, he's not saying God owes them anything. He asks, would you pardon them? You've done it before. You're the long son. And immediately God says, yes, I pardon them. Not going to be destroyed. <laughs> Why? What does that show? He wanted him to ask him. Is that right? He wanted him to ask him. But he needed him to ask him in order for judgment to be averted. Elsewise, judgment should come. That's what's right. I don't know if you remember that uh, Abraham, you know, the friend of God, uh, the Lord came to him and visited him at his home. They, he saw him walking and, and, and Abraham went out and said, hey, come, come sit down, cool off, let's get you something to drink and eat. And it was the Lord. And, he, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham, you know, my friend, what's about to happen? And he told him about Sodom and Gomorrah, about what was about, that they were about to be completely wiped off the face of the earth. Did he have to do that? Did he have to come in person <laughs> and, and tell Abraham that? Why, why did he do that? Did he know what Abraham would do? Yeah, he did. He wants him to ask him. Is that right? He wants him to ask him. Can you see? He's a good God. He's ready to forgive. Plenteous in mercy, but you've got to call. Somebody's got to ask and so uh, this says, I sought for a man, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me that I should destroy it. But I found none. He couldn't, on this occasion, he couldn't find one person that would do what Abraham did, that would do what Moses did. That's sad, isn't it? Therefore... I've poured out mine indignation upon them and consumed them with the fire of my wrath. What does that mean? Judgment came. Was it God's perfect will? No. Did it please him? No. Well, if he wanted something different, why wouldn't he do it? He's God. Because he's righteous. He's right. He's not going to do something that's wrong. He wants to show mercy, but he doesn't have a right to do it. It wouldn't be right unless somebody asked for it and unless there was some basis for it. Now what he, what he told the people to do in the Old Covenant was to offer animal sacrifices. And it was called atonement. Atonement is not really a New Testament term. Atonement means to cover. And in the Old Testament, they couldn't really take care of sin and eliminate it and wash it away. They just covered it so that judgment didn't come and they were spared and they got mercy. But it was really pushed off into the future because next year they'd make atonement again. And next year atonement again. They kept making, why? Because it wasn't taking care of it. It wasn't solving it. Until, until Jesus, the Word became flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Lamb of God shed His blood, the blood that can take away sin. Amen. The blood that does wash away sin. But you still have to avail yourself of it. You still have to realize I need it. And you still have to ask for it. 
and receive it. Now, he said in Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, a very similar thing about this, Jeremiah 5.1, he said, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and seek in the broad places thereof if you can find a man, if there be any that execute judgment and seeks the truth, and I will pardon it. He said, if you can find one. This lets us know that if Abraham had kept going, is that right? With the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord would have spared the whole place for one. Because that's what he said. He said in Ezekiel, he said, I looked for a man that would stand in the gap. What's he say? He's looking for somebody that'll say, please, God, have mercy on him. Right? So he'll have a right to. And he said on more than one occasion, I found, I couldn't find one. Now, boy, that's, that's a bad testimony, isn't it? Couldn't find one among hundreds of thousands in the city? Couldn't find one? That's what has happened too many times, why judgment has come. Because nobody stood up and asked. Look with me. Go to the New Testament. 1 John. 1 John, the second chapter. You know, Job prophesied about this in the ninth chapter. Don't turn there, but I'll just I'll summarize it. He was in a bad way. And he said this. He said, God's not a man that I, like I am that I should answer him. He said, there's, there's no daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand on us both so, so that he'd take his rod away from me. The NIV, this is Job 9.33. He said, if only there was someone to arbitrate between us. <laughs> That's been the cry of humanity since Adam and Eve. If only <laughs> there was somebody to stand in the gap between God and us, to get the judgment off of us, to find mercy for us. Well, there is somebody. Oh, hallelujah. There is. That's what 1 John 2 says. 1 John 2 and verse 1, he said, My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. But if any, and if any man sin, we have, not we need, we have an advocate with the Father. That's this daysman. That's this arbitrator. That's this intercessor. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. We got somebody between us and the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. He is the payment for our sins. Not just ours, but even the sins of the whole world. If they would take advantage of it. If they would. But you got to call. You got to ask him. You got to receive. Now, in the fifth chapter, if you would, go to 1 John 5, verse 14. This is something I think most Christians just are not even aware of, much less practicing. You and I, having been born again, now have right and access to the very throne of God. Is it true? And that also allows us, the Bible said, uh, 
Verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him. Verse, chapter 5, verse 14 of 1 John. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is mercy his will? Yes. It is. We know whatever, if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions. Look at the very next verse. If a man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he will ask, and he will give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I don't say that he shall pray for it. And really, without going into detail, that has to do with people that won't repent no matter what. It's talked about in Hebrews that you can't renew them to repentance. But there's a whole lot of other things he said. If you'll ask, you see somebody's sin and they're in danger of being judged and going too far, you can ask and God will give them life. Because, not because they deserved it, because you, because we asked. Oh, can you say amen? amen? Should more of us be doing things like Abraham did, yes. like what Moses did, yes. like what Jesus does every day? Amen. Hallelujah. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is the one between us and the Father. There's been uh, more than once in prayer that I asked the Lord to have mercy on somebody and, and spare them because I knew, man, they're going the wrong way. And, and I've had more than once the Lord say to me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside, he said, I'll do that just because you asked me to. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Is that the kindness of God? Yes. Is that the mercy of God? Yes. Isn't that what he, he's always been that way, right? He's all, he spared that whole bunch over and over. Moses said, would you pardon them? He said, I have. I pardon them because you asked According to your word. Oh, what a good, good father. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And I will ask. Hallelujah. I will call on the Lord. I will ask. Well, our time's up again today. Isn't it rich getting in the word of God like this? Man, I'd, I'd preach this to myself. <laughs> but I'm glad to have you here. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. sure enjoyed being with you again this week. The Lord's helping us so much. Uh, at the end of every week, I like to give thanks and to pray and join faith with our partners. And I was thinking we would talk about how merciful God is. Uh, years ago, Phyllis and I made some mistakes financially. We got behind. We we're in such a mess. And, and um, the Lord quickened me. Ask for mercy. You know, we did and not that we, we had made mistakes, but we asked for mercy. And within less than a year, God had us completely out of debt, had us caught up, had, had everything paid. He's a merciful God. Let's do it right now. Lord, I ask for mercy for our partners and everybody joining us. In spite of mistakes, in spite of bad decisions, Lord, uh, forgive and pardon and have mercy and cause abundance of resources to come into their hands to pay things and catch things up, pay things off, get things ahead. We ask, say it out loud with me, I ask for mercy for my finances in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I am believing with you what he did for us, he will do for you. I mean, in a matter of months, it looked like it might take decades for us to get out of that. 
but in a matter of months, we were free and clear and blessed, giving more than we ever had. That's happening for you. We love you, hooked with you, believing with you. We'll see you again soon back here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.